This is your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers. And now keeping himself with Martinez 5. He is going to be in touchdown. Adrian Martinez off the right edge. Runs in from 15 yards out. Tie the game. This is the KLIN Husker Hour. Giving you an inside look at everything going on in Husker Nation. Nebraska wins its fifth national championship. Three sets one over the Florida Gators. Now. Shoots the three. Got it. Isaiah Roby nails it from three-point land. And a good time was had by all. Welcome into the KLN Husker Hour, folks. This is 1400 KLN. My name is Tim Curran, KLN Sports Director, with me in studio. Cole Stugenholtz and momentarily will be joined by our partners in crime over at Channel 8, Mr. Matt Reynoldson, who has going to humble himself and appear <laughs> on radio away from the glitz and the glam of the tele- oh he's coming in right now that's what he does oh, he comes in, in here you know every couple months gets <laughs> gets down off that tv pedestal and comes down and slums it with us radio folks oh look who the cat dragged in all dolled up and ready to go at this early hour in the morning mr matt reynoldson of channel 8 fame how are you sir well tim curran you dragged me in here this morning and <laughs> <laughs> yeah you certainly me certainly glad to be back on the airwaves with you guys talking a little husker football we're back in football season certainly glad to be here it's basically the fall i don't i'm not sure why you don't have your pumpkin spice lattes all ready to go i mean this is basically it well mm-hmm. we can't say it's the fall until we have Four weeks of the same storyline coming out of fall camp, as every year we do. <laughs> Who's going to be the third-string quarterback? We don't know yet. Oh, wow. That's a that's a battle I'm already geared up for. I can already feel the adrenaline pumping. How about yourself, Cole? I'm just excited that Chase Urbach has officially made the Long Snapper Award watch list, <laughs> which I'm not sure what the Long Snapper Award is, but I had he's the, on it. I had the notifications on for that one. I was all riled up. Yes. That, was, that was great. Um, well, there's plenty to dig into. Of course, we were all at the pre-fall camp Thursday bonanza. There was a lot, lot said. Um, in fact, I have like a literal page load of clips to get to, but we're going to get those into the other segments. Um, but probably the the biggest news item besides Jack Stoll's glorious mullet uh, was that uh, Maurice Washington, the story that, that kind of won't die, his kind of protracted legal battle. And now that his hearing is set for September 3rd, three days, if I'm doing my math right, <laughs> after the first Husker game, yep. Frost has a decision to make. He kind of elected not to make a decision then uh, on Thursday. But, I mean, I don't know, maybe Matt or Cole, you can set me wrong. I don't see any way he plays in that first game, but I don't know. Well, so Frost doesn't have to make the decision, right? So that he's still right. got time until that first Which game. I, don't you wish he would have just said it? I mean, because he... <laughs> Now that his hearing is set for September 3rd, I imagine there's not going to be anything else that comes out until then. Well, well I don't think so. Um, and from what I've read, I'm not by any means a legal expert, but from what I've read and I've done quite a bit of research into this, especially um, our great news team at Channel 8 has done a lot of digging into it. And this seems like one of those situations, especially in a huge county like Santa Clara County mm-hmm. out in California, which is the largest county in the country, or one of the largest, I believe. Um, this is something that could get very easily um, settled out, pled down, or whatever, even mm-hmm. before that September 3rd date. And it seems like this might be the last time it's pushed back because it looks like all their ducks are in a row for that preliminary hearing on September 3rd, and it's not just going to be one of those, oh, we're going to push it back again because one of the parties doesn't have everything ready, is how I understood it, uh, which is why it was pushed back in April, June, July, and now again, all the way to September 3rd. Yeah, and the other thing to think about is, like, every time somebody's 
charged with something, it's that's usually not what they end up getting right. like convicted of or what they plead to. It's usually pled down, like Matt said. It's usually a lesser sentence or a lesser uh, a lesser and the, offense. And the book wasn't exactly thrown at him. By sure, sure. But so I guess I guess the point I'm making is. Frost, if if he is if he feels like he has a pretty good handle on the facts already, mm-hmm. probably already knows what he's going to do. Maybe he's just playing coy because he can. He likes to just get you all fired up on a Saturday morning, Tim. <laughs> and he knows that if he doesn't announce it yet, um, that that you know the media is just be like, oh come on. But even if he does, it doesn't. I I, I think that he might actually play week one. If it's still unresolved, if he if he has an idea of what the result will be, and maybe it's just going to be like a game suspension or two game suspension or something like that, maybe he does play in that first week because nothing will have officially happened. I think I'm more in the camp of you probably will suspend him that first game at the very least, just because of not only the the pending case in California, but the fact that he was in that mess. And then he went and, and had the weed deal, too, on top of that. just You can't put yourself in that type of situation. Granted, other players have, too, uh, which is a whole other discussion. But you can't put yourself in that situation when you've yeah. already got that looming over your head, when you've already brought the program down a little bit. Uh, you have to be smarter than that. Well, here's Sorry. my next question. So, so Mo Washington was never really a, a feature back, so to speak, but he also he obviously played quite a bit at the position. But now, yeah. if let's just say you don't have Mo Washington um, for that first game. What does the running back position look like in terms of personnel? Who's going to get the most reps? Anything like that? I think it looks like putting a lot on the shoulders of a former freshman All-American in Dedrick Mills. He was absolutely monstrous at Garden City last mm-hmm. year. I think you mentioned to me that you saw some of his clips on Last Chance You, and some other people have mentioned uh, that to me as well, that uh, he carries a sort of attitude with him that, that's very fun to watch. And then what he did at Georgia Tech before um, the unfortunate circumstances that led to him being dismissed from that team, mm-hmm. uh, what he did at Georgia Tech as a freshman, over 700 yards rushing as a freshman, especially in that offense where you are sharing the load, that triple option under Paul Johnson, who's no longer there, but that triple option really shared the load between fullback, uh, another wingback, an eyeback, quarterback. You you have to run the ball a lot of different ways in that offense and to amass over 700 yards and the touchdowns that he was able to uh, poke through. Uh, He he runs in a style that is very conducive Mm -hmm. to Big Ten running backs, and he's going to be hard for linebackers to bring down, especially if they pick their spots wrong. I think he could start Nebraska's ground game on a very positive note week one against South Alabama, and I think that's what Nebraska might be expecting him to do very early on. Yeah, Yeah, and the other thing to keep in mind, we've already seen an uncertain running back situation under Scott Frost and staff where they have not been afraid to start a junior college guy right out of the gate. Greg Bell was a starter against Colorado last season. (laughs) Oscar Legend Greg Bell. What was your favorite part of the Greg <laughs> Bell era? Uh, you know he he's not gonna he's not gonna hesitate to start a guy like Dedrick Mills coming right off of junior college uh, if he feels like he's the guy who's gonna give them um, you know maybe the most carries or be that every down back or what have you. Um, that's not going to be something that they're going to hesitate about. And to ease some of the concerns of Husker fans about that Juco running back, the uncertainty coming in, Dedrick Mills is a different running back than Greg Bell. Greg Bell flourished at the junior college level, sort of never bought into the culture from things I've heard, but as well as he he was a different running back. He wasn't as apt to go between the tackles. He made a lot of his money on the outside and everything like that. 
Um, also didn't have D1 experience. Didn't have D1 experience. He could have maybe flourished in that offense last year, but was never quite the right fit. Had some ball security issues. From everything I've heard, Diedrich Mills is that tough, hard-nosed running back that will find a role even when those other players and those freshmen come along and make an impact in that room. If well, it, and if, it's, all- if it's not Diedrich Mills, I just want to put out, since you love my hipster picks, um, I'm going to say Brody Belt is the dark horse no. starter running back. No. Oh, yeah. It's more yeah. Wyatt Missouri than Brody Belt, surely. I'm just saying. I mean, I'm just saying. Cole, I'm gonna. I'm like this close to shutting your mic off, and it's only the first segment, so <laughs> I'm just. I'm getting riled up already. Um, I'm doing my so, job then. So yeah, yeah, I, I think I would agree. Just to put a bow Takes. on that, that put a ribbon on that discussion. That uh, Diedrich, uh, for sure to me, looks like the guy poised to, to take the most reps there. Um, well, hold on, I need to slow my roll here because Matt, we didn't even we just jumped right into it. I didn't ask how things were going over at the Channel Eight world in the world of television and glitz and glam. How are things? Well, the things in the world of the glitz and glam, <laughs> as as you so keenly put it, uh, they're great over there. Um, yeah. Summer's an interesting time. In television because you're covering a lot of things that you don't usually cover it gets you able to get deeper uh with a lot of athletes a lot of different sports that we don't usually um usually take a whack at um yeah. andrew did a challenge our sports director andrew ward did a uh feature I saw some of these yeah. all summer called i challenge andrew um former sports director uh brett edwards started this uh segment a few years ago and uh it's basically where we take emails and and um submissions for different sports that um, they challenge the sports director to. And we go film um, our sports director playing or learning something new. And so that that's kind of fun. And it gets us to kind of get to know uh, different parts of the sports community within Lincoln. So I'm, I'm sensing an opportunity uh, to I challenge Tim. <laughs> There's not a lot I, I could win at, but maybe like uh, what? I don't know, pounding wings or something like that. I think I could do it. I mean, I'm just saying, I'm putting it out there. I'm putting the feelers out there. For... That's our first one for next summer. You have us. You have us booked in already. It's you're, great. Not, you're not gonna. You're not gonna break the record on the squat rack or something. No, I don't. Yeah, I, don't, I think I kind of avoid the weight room during my brief football playing days. Uh, I was kind of the. <laughs> I, I was. I, I, I skipped leg day, shall we say? That that was kind of my deal. Um. Uh. Well, real quickly, I, I know. Um. On on Thursday, we had a, a bunch of stuff. We're gonna get to all that. Um. In the next day, but you actually, Matt, were at Fan Day. I'm curious. Uh, anything? Sh- I, I did see the mannequin leg getting passed around. Did you? Did you see any of that? Get any inside info on what that was all about? You know, I got to be honest. Fan day is one of my favorite days of the year, but it is so hard to be at as a reporter. Because <laughs> Which is why I didn't go. <laughs> because there's not really. I don't know. You go to some events where there's a lot of stories and right. things that are available for the taking, and fan day is literally just. People that don't want to do interviews and players signing autographs. <laughs> Granted, I saw some of the reporters get great interviews with fans. Um, our own videographer, Lee Marion, got a couple very good interviews with fans. And uh, that ran during our news block of our, our 10 o'clock uh, newscast on Thursday night. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. For some reason, I haven't, haven't really ever had a lot of luck at Fan Day, a lot of Great stories fall in my lap at Fan Day. It is what it is. I love seeing the players in that element, though. It's it's very fun to see. And now we have video of every player on the team. It's great. That's not bad. Not bad at all. A couple notable omissions from Fan Day. I I know you guys have already um, heard this by now, but Mm -hmm. obviously Maurice Washington wasn't there for um, predetermined reasons. And then JoJo Doman had his name card there, but was Mm -hmm. not at Fan Day. So uh, don't want to speculate too much, but assuming something just came up at the last minute. (laughs) It, if his name card, since his name card was there, um, I, I would assume something just came up last minute and he wasn't able to attend. But that's been the sort of the talk of the week a little bit since Fan Day. So um, 
something to keep an eye on for sure. Yeah, that's 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 interesting. I didn't know that. Thanks for the insight, Mister Channel Eight <laughs> <laughs> Newsmaster. Uh, here's the, the the one thing before we before we take a break is uh, Jack Mitchell, our very own KLN. Jack Mitchell had this. I think it was kind of a hot take on Twitter where he said, "Why would you want to go line up for the coach's autograph? We can go around and just kind of get all the players." And I was like, "If I'm fine." Ten years old, whose autograph would I want? Scofros or Martinez? You can only pick one. Who would you choose, Cole? If I'm a kid, spot? I would probably skew more towards the player. I agree. No, see, it, really, you're not. You're not okay. When you're growing up, you're not like idolizing the guy holding, you know, holding the playbook. Well, when I was growing up, I was Bill Callahan, so I wasn't, but. <laughs> I was no, I like you're you're I, you want to you want to be the guy who's out there winning the game. You want to be the guy who's scoring touchdowns, right? I mean, there's. Easy. Mm, I don't I, know. Maybe I was just weird. Maybe I'm getting a little philosophical about this, but in the mind of a child, I like <laughs> staying staying power is not really front of the mind. It's right. who's the star, you know? Yeah, who's there? Not. Who's who's the flashy, the glitz and glam? That's Adrian Martinez. The staying power. I mean, I think adults think it through maybe a little bit more. And Adrian Martinez, Max, is going to be here for four years. Scott Frost could be here for. A decade, two decades, yeah. or more, and sure. so that's that has staying power, and he will always be a legend here, no matter what, because of what he was able to do as a quarterback for Nebraska. But uh, that has more staying power. But I think kids kind of think of it now. Martinez is the flavor of the month for sure. I'm glad you guys took that question seriously. But <laughs> <laughs> all right, we got to sit beside here for a quick break. Uh, we have plenty to talk about from Thursday culture talk, year one versus year two, depth issues, all that good stuff. Stick around for the Kaline Husker Hour. Grammy-nominated Joe Bonamassa, hailed as one of the world's greatest guitar players. Blues rock titan Joe Bonamassa, live in concert, Friday, August 9th at Pinewood Bowl Theater. Tickets available at Ticketmaster.com. Joe Bonamassa. Don't miss your chance to experience the guitar event of the year. I started my adventure as an aerospace medical technician. Flight medic in the Air Force Reserve. Satellite system operator. As a space systems operator. And I'm a pilot for the Air Force Thunderbirds demonstration. We deliver the world's timeliest environmental intelligence data. Flying to Afghanistan, bringing wounded warriors back to Germany. We take care of injured personnel on a daily basis. And then flying them from Germany back to the States. As a member of the Thunderbirds, I get to be a part of a team that passes on the message of the United States Air Force Reserve to the U.S. and the world. It's a very exciting career. One of the greatest things about the Air Force Reserve is all the different opportunities. The training in the Air Force Reserve is second to none. It gave me the opportunity to go to college. The Air Force Reserve actually paid for my education, which allowed me to commission. It was definitely a bonus. Probably the most exciting thing I've done is support humanitarian relief operations in places like Haiti. The Reserve gave me the opportunity to learn something totally different from what I did. Being able to travel. I enjoy the getaways that I get, and I enjoy the camaraderie and fellowship I share with all my unit mates. We're really close-knit. We're unique. And the Air Force Reserve gave me all those opportunities, and then even more. Start your adventure in the Air Force Reserve. Giving you an inside look at everything Huskers. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1400 KLIN. Welcome back to a KLIN Husker Hour. If you missed the first segment, my instant current with me in studio, Cold and and folks, wait for it. Channel 8, Eyewitness News, media legend, Matt Reynoldson has humbled it. To join us here in the studio. Nobody hypes me up like you, Tim. <laughs> you can feel the hype uh, coursing through the fans as you can feel the hype for Fro- Scott Frost. Go for a bro. 
a beer too. Uh, there is a lot of people drinking the Kool-Aid. Uh, gentlemen, I, I know Cole and I have talked about this a little bit. I'm curious to get your take, Matt. There is a um, The hype train has skidded off the rails a little bit, uh, depending on who you talk to in the national media or local media. Uh, where do you fall on Nebraska winning the national championship or going to go 4-8 again? Well, I would go based on well. I don't think it'll certainly run you that quite the spectrum. You, you can only pick those two. I, I think it would take some catastrophe to run the <laughs> run the back end of that spectrum. But uh, I was able to talk to a couple of national reporters at Big Ten Media Days a couple of weeks ago in Bruce Feldman of the Athletic and Dennis Dodd of CBS Sports, and they were very bullish on what Nebraska can do this year. Realistic, but bullish because the combination of Scott Frost and Adrian Martinez. I think they have a little more questions than the local media does about the defense, but in general, the national perception seems to be a little bit higher of Nebraska than it is locally. Uh, I, I think yeah, the, the local true. media certainly considers that Nebraska has several pieces to put together on the offensive end, and national media sees Scott Frost offense, great quarterback, easy schedule. That's a winner, and it's a possible mm. winner, and I think that's certainly fair. Very instructive now to know what it takes for the national media to like Nebraska football more than the local media. You just have to go four and eight two years in a row. That's it. Yep. That's all it takes. And then you know, find a Heisman Trophy worthy hype quarterback, and you know, Adrian Martinez, right. and and the the best uh, the best coach out there in a in a coaching cycle, and Scott Frost. That that helps. And then one of the most interesting position coaches in the nation, in Mario Verduzco. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Everybody and their mom has done a feature on that. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, and and yeah, you, you mentioned the hype, Tim, and we've obviously you know talked about this seriously, and you know just panned it all summer. But it, it is interesting to see, you know, as you as you talk to some of the players as they came back, talking to Brendan Hymas on Thursday, uh, he. He looked confused. Somebody asked him about the hype, and he's like, "Yeah, I don't really understand. I mean, we went four and eight two years in a row. Yeah, we got that cut, by the way. It's glorious. I don't really know what that's about, really. I mean, we went four and eight for two years. I don't know why we're getting all this hype. So, I mean, once once we do it on the field, then we can, you know, buy into all that. But as of right now, you know, we're just we're just focused on us and no one else. Yeah, and it, wow. the the cut yeah. does not do his like his facial feature. It, it just his, you know, like I don't know. I don't get it. It's, he was utterly confused, which yeah. is funny. But but then he also he mentioned been to a bowl game since he's been here, which exactly. is incredible to think yeah. about. It's crazy, but but it's it's also important to mention that he talked about how he thought some of the players on the team did need to keep in mind, hey, this is nothing but hype, and you you haven't done anything yet, so right. you still need to focus on what what you have to do every single day, how you need to improve yourself, and you can't focus on the noise, you can't listen to all the outside hype. Um, that was interesting too because he he kind of brought it back to a place where it was like oh yeah this this team while having taken strides and everybody's really you know optimistic about it uh, they they've they've gone four and eight two years in a row I mean there's still some deep seated issues uh, yeah. that they're gonna have to work out at some point on the field that they haven't done yet that's so interesting to me because. Hymas is taking somewhat of a different approach, and Farniak is doing the same thing. It's like the offensive line is kind of real, kind of holding the team back from like mm -hmm. maybe that maybe they're getting too much hype and everything like that. Certainly not holding the team back on the field. I think this will be a very strong offensive line, but they're maybe pulling the rest of the guys back and saying, "Hey, uh, we haven't done anything yet." And I, I think that's very interesting for the offensive linemen to do because I, I've talked to defensive linemen that is that say, "Yeah, we embrace the hype. We're mm -hmm. we're ready for it." Mm -hmm. And Mo Berry is very very much embracing it. Some of the defensive backs are very much embracing it. Even Adrian Martinez is towing the line a little bit by saying, 
you know, we see where this program is going. Yeah. Uh, we've got to prove it on the field first, but they see it. And so it, I, that is very interesting to me that yeah. Hymas and Farniok and some of the rest of the offensive linemen are kind of pulling back on that hype a little bit. And you look at a guy like Scott Frost, and usually you see a team start to take on the personality of their quarterback. It's not to say that Frost is is completely opposite of what Hymas and Farniok are saying, but he's also not really pouring cold water on the high exactly he's he's not he's not throwing more more kindle onto it but that's what we're here to do exactly uh (laughs) that's our job not scott frost but he he's not going to tamp that down he's just been kind of letting it breathe he's just like hey you know what i feel good about where we're at i'm not going to tell you not to think that this team's going to win the west because i think that we can but he's not also not going so far as to say you know some something really outlandish and, and end up on a bulletin board somewhere but I guess the point is, it, it, it's 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 kind of interesting to see you know the different personalities start to come out here preseason and see where everybody kind of lands on that yeah. because you you could have you could have had a lot more of of that but you haven't really heard a lot until you know just now with a, a couple of the players here and there right and going back to what Matt said it brought up an interesting point um, a second ago about the offensive line about how those guys um, they're they're pretty set at the tackle positions on, on both both left and tackle right tackle but at center. As we learned um, on Thursday, that Will Farniak, um, he's a redshirt freshman, yeah. right? Yeah, he's going to be the, the at least the starter to be uh, for right now. How do we feel about the center position as it stands? Well, it makes sense for the start of fall camp because uh, by all reports, and this was never confirmed by Scott Frost, he's very secretive about injuries and, and has been and will be until um, there is likely in the coming years a mandated injury report for college coaches in the interest of sports betting nationally and everything like that. Uh, but as as we have sort of learned through the through the mill, Cam Jurgens got injured again. Um, right. another, another broken foot likely is what what we've been hearing. And so um, with that recovery, it's not a long recovery. I, as someone who suffered a broken foot back in high school, it's not a bad recovery, not a long recovery. And it's especially with the training staff that Nebraska has, it's easy yeah. to get he's back on He's still on the 110 feet. as well. So. Yeah, and he's still on the 110 roster. And, and it's not a late join to the 110 roster. He is on it at the beginning of fall camp. And so that is an encouraging sign. But after not being able to work out for several weeks, it makes sense that Will Farniok, who has been healthy all summer, for, for all we know, was healthy all spring, for all we know, is the number one going into fall camp and so maybe cam jurgens would will step up into that role they'd sure like him to from all accounts and uh and take that role and have a healthy fall camp and and if he does that i believe will likely step in against south alabama as the number one starting center yeah and and it's there that that position's more wide open than maybe any position on the team right now too sure. and you have guys that are other uh other young guys who have very little to no experience you got guys like uh, AJ Forbes um, is is a possibility in there. John Raridan, who has been on the roster now uh, for quite a while, he's a redshirt junior yeah. uh, and he hasn't really contributed. And and you know he may be I'm in the mix on that. Surprised by that too. Yeah, he was he was one of those guys in the recruiting class. Um, the the recruiting guys they, they they really loved him and thought that he was uh, really had a good chance to do that. You might see Trent Hickson get some snaps in at center as well. Uh, there's been some thought that Bryce Benhart might be able to come in, and you might see Matt Farniok slide into guard, which would make a uh, Bo Wilson. Yeah, you know, Bo Wilson would be other guard, and then maybe Trent Hickson slides into center. You know, there's a lot of this. The staff yeah. stresses versatility everywhere, right? And so you could see a lot of different combinations, uh, a lot of different. Uh, scenarios thrown out there throughout the rest of this fall camp period before we get to the first game. 
uh, and not really have a clear picture as to who that starting five is ultimately once yeah. Nebraska suits it up against well, uh, South Alabama. Going back to that defensive line for a second, um, is that the, the deepest, dare I say, group uh, on the roster? In terms of top-line guys, I think so, especially yeah. considering the fact that they got Jakeem Green um, not on the right, roster yet him. Talk about burying the lead. Yeah, That's an interesting he, thing because he's a class of 2019 guy, yep. but he's not at fall camp, so I yep. don't know. He'll, he'll be, he will be. He'll, he'll, be, he'll, he'll be, be in fall camp here week. soon. It's just he's not there yet. Not right so, there. Okay. so yeah, we were already talking to him about how you can go, you know, six deep. Um, you know, with if you're looking at a three-four scheme, um, you got the Daniels brothers, you got the Davis brothers, um, you got DeAndre Thomas, you got Ben Silly, and then you add a guy like Jakeem Green. And we were also talking about this last week, to Matt, where you have the the possibility of. Uh, versatility in not only where players can play, but also the the way the players line up. Since you've got a little bit of a, a question mark at the other middle linebacker spot, Tim and I were kind of outwardly wondering, maybe you see a little bit more of a 4-3 look from this defense uh, as far as a base, just because you've got more bodies at defensive line and you're maybe not as sure about who plays opposite Mo Berry in a 3-4 setup at middle linebacker. What do you think about that? Well, I think... In their four three with this with this scheme, uh, so they will go multiple. So mm-hmm. three four is their base, yeah. but they will go multiple. And I think the way that the linebackers are set up within this scheme, it would take one out of the outside backer spot to put one uh, to put one on the four three. So I think um, if you would. If if there would be a four three set, it'd be one outside and two inside backers. So that wouldn't really solve your depth issue yeah. at inside backer. But I really love what you said about the defensive line. We were talking about it the other day. That six deep is a huge number for them. And if they can get Jakeem Green in and acclimated, you have seven deep. Mm-hmm. Say a guy like Deshaun Neal steps up and, and yeah. really makes an impact this year. That's eight deep. They played three or four guys sometimes 60, 70, 80 snaps a game last year. You can't do that in the Big Ten, and especially when you have a guy like Mick Stoltenberg that has major knee issues. You can't do that, and it really leads to wear and tear on the defensive line and doesn't work well uh, for this conference. So being able to go that deep and not really being not really having a drop-off between those two, two to three lines is really, really important, and I think will maybe win them a lot of games in this conference, push them over the edge, especially in running defense that they haven't yeah. had in previous years. Yeah. That, that leads us pretty well into what Frost had to say. I wanted to play this cut really quickly. Uh, Frost, just kind of a general overall depth, where he feels good about it and where he doesn't. Uh, we're a lot deeper team than we were a year ago at certain positions. Um, you know, We're a team that, I've said this, still has a couple holes, still has some depth issues in a couple places. Uh, but we've also fixed those things in, in quite a few places. Uh, D-line in particular, I'd point to, um, we're going to be pretty deep this year. Um, you know, Even with some new talent coming in, uh, those guys are going to have to prove it on the field to get out on the field and play. And I think there's going to be a lot of guys that we're going to trust to be out there. Um, you know, The other positions we'll see on depth, I know feel really good about the secondary and our frontline guys right now, but we need to make sure that uh, some of the young guys and some of the guys that didn't play last year are capable of going in and playing at a high level. Uh, linebacker, um, inside and outside, we need some guys to step up. And Frost goes on, but that's that's a, probably a good summation of where Nebraska is at right now, needing some guys to step up linebacker, which 
I guess in the spring, it kind of surprised me. I guess I wasn't maybe I wasn't paying enough close attention, which is you know a fair charge <laughs> against me. But it seemed to me that linebackers position, you were like, you know what, you got tons of guys, pretty solid. Colin Miller, Alex Davis, um, a, a lot of guys. Tyron Ferguson. I mean, that's a guy that's really interesting uh, to me. But when you kind of look at it, no one has really solidified themselves like Mohamed Barry has a linebacker, which makes sense, I guess. And and you mentioned the outside guys. I mean, you got to stay healthy there, too. You have Tyron right. Ferguson and JoJo Doma and two guys who potentially could grab those positions and run with them this season. Uh, but neither one of them was able to play a full 2018. Uh, and that's a big that's a big piece to this is you not only have to have the guys who can do it on the field, but if they're going to be doing it consistently, that means they have to stay on the field. Uh, and and neither one of them have been able to do that. You also have some guys who are you know down to their last chance, like Alex Davis, where yeah. maybe maybe the, all the hype is real this year with him. We've heard it before uh, with that guy and and others too. So if if you get production from outside linebacker, if you can get some guys coming in, um, kind of like Luke Gifford was for for times last season, um, he dealt with injury too, where you can get some consistent pressure on the quarterback, you can get some sacks, tackles for loss production, uh, that makes the defense work a lot better because this defense isn't really designed to like you know necessarily stop teams in their tracks. They're just trying to slow them down enough to where they can get losses or get turnovers. Um, and pressure from the outside backers is going to be huge for that. Yep. Call me naive, but I'm much more bullish on the outside linebacker position than most other media members and most fans, I believe, are. I think... They have four different guys in that in that first two lines that play the game all so differently from each other. Like mm-hmm. Caleb Tanner, Tyron Ferguson, JoJo Doman, and Alex Davis are four completely different players. Yeah. And I sort of feel confident about each and every one of them, especially the comments uh, Jovan DeWitt made on uh, Sports Nightly about the progress that Caleb Tanner's made and how he expects and would be extremely disappointed if Tanner doesn't have a big year. So yeah. I think you are too clearly deep right there mm-hmm. and then the guys behind them you know there's some question marks but there there are pieces there and it's not a situation where you have to be relying on true freshmen for depth because i don't think those true freshmen are physically ready yet at that outside linebacker position matt yeah. you're naive <laughs> <laughs> uh, with that we gotta take another break uh don't go anywhere stick around more of the k-line husker are coming up right after this This is Marianne Stallings, founder of Bridge to Better Living. In the beginning, you relied on mom and dad. Now they depend on you. If home is no longer the safest, happiest place, we can help. They turned a very complicated process into an easy and simple one. We found the perfect place for my parents. I haven't seen them this happy in years. They even went dancing to celebrate their 50th. Bridge to Better Living, your trusted source for retirement, assisted living, and senior care. Find out more at bridgetobetterliving.com. Hi, I'm Julie Bowen for the March of Dimes, asking you to help save premature babies. As a mother of three healthy boys, it makes me sad to think that more than a million babies around the world die every year because they're born too soon, and that our country has one of the highest rates of infant death of any developed country. Let's work together for stronger, healthier babies. Visit MarchofDimes.com to find out how you can make a difference in your community and around KLIN giving you a complete review of the Huskers news this week. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1400 KLIN. Gosh, let's see. I, I don't. I don't know. We've we've gained a lot. Let's put it this way: it's, it's curling up, so it's not as long as uh, long as it should be. But yeah, she's getting there. Do you have, do you have a, a, an idol, a mullet idol, or something? A mullet idol. 
I, you know, I, I, I don't know. You know, Billy Ray Cyrus got a pretty nice mall. I'll give you that, man. He's got a pretty nice one, but. Oh, Garrett Nelson and Reed Carroll both got theirs going. Yeah, we got a little mullet group chat going, so don't worry about that. Man. Oh, yeah. What is the goal? Are you just going to keep growing it? Hey, uh, we're going to keep growing it until if we lose a game. It's as simple as that. So, you know, hopefully we're going undefeated and I can keep this bad boy till January. Let's put it that way. This is the type of content you come to the KLN Husker Hour for, which, by the way, that gave me a crisis of confidence because I'm going bold and it's frightening. And I got some exclusive inside info on Thursday oh. at Fan Day that Garrett Nelson, another member of the mullet gang, will be bleaching his blonde <laughs> mullet to even, to even a brighter shade. He had it during the entire Scott's Bluff uh, playoff yes. run yeah. of last year and, and made some plays. I, I watched this, a few of those what's plays. What's natural? Is it like a sandy blonde? Or? It's, it's what he has now. It's, yeah. it's kind of a sandy, yeah, like you said, sandy blonde. Uh, I, I don't know if you saw him on Thursday at all, but um, just, just a pretty natural blonde. But he's bleaching it back, <laughs> and the mullet gang is taking over... Um, Cade Warner is yeah. trying to start the mustache gang. So, yeah, yeah. Um, he has a couple GAs in on that, but I don't think he's going to get quite as much traction as Mullet Gang. We we should dig in a little bit to the media cam. What was your, oh no! <laughs> you, guys, was, you guys both had your turn. I was out in the hallway. I, uh, you were in the hallway I too. Was some, yeah, I was in the hallway. But yeah, I, Tim. It's like when Tim the had his... sees his own shadow and crawls back into its hole. Was kind of my <laughs> reaction to the media cam. <laughs> I, I I'm I'm here for the media cam. I want I want the people. Um, watching the press conference at home to know that I asked decent questions. <laughs> <laughs> I asked Frost about where he <laughs> voted for Nebraska in the top twenty-five. So that's, that's kind of got my, a good bite off that too. Yeah, you really know, good bite. I, I'm, I'm, as always, Matt. As always, as I mean, always. Why else am I there if not to provide great content? Certainly. <laughs> um, we'll have to move. The, we'll have to get the train back on the track. So sorry, folks, for for derailing the conversation there uh, for a second. One of the things I was thinking about. Uh, during the break is that there's a lot of we, we were just talking about depth um a little bit and um wide receiver is one of the positions where there was still a bit of a question mark and but the coaches and frost came out pretty strong on thursday saying hey we're pretty confident in what we have there not only because you have jd spielman and, and kind of i noah coming in the grad transfer uh, but you also have a lot of young guys where cole and i were talking saying you know are they gonna do that by committee what's that gonna look like uh but it sounds like they're they're pretty confident in what they have there is he confident? I, I would be interested in maybe, and, and this would have been a great a great uh, option for a follow up from you, but maybe a missed opportunity there. <laughs> no. All right, uh, turning out Cole's mic. Again. Yeah, yeah, it, it shut it off now. Now, is it more is it more confidence because he's got a lot of options, or is it more confidence because you think he knows who his guys are? Because I feel like. Just having options. I think it's the options what he's talking about. And I don't know. That's what I would say. And, and look, it's good to know what your options are. It's good to have options. You want to be able to, to play a lot of different guys. But, gosh, I, I don't know that I would feel that confident in that position unless I knew, all right, I got this guy for this position, I got this guy for this position, and I got this guy Which for that position. Which was our thought initially, but they came out pretty, I mean, I don't know. I would, I would say I, this. Frost, when Frost was candid enough to talk about the linebacker saying we need guys to step up, because he could have just said, yeah. I feel good about that position. He could have just said it and we'd all buy it. But. Sure. I, I, just, I just don't think that it's, it's kind of the old, um, I don't know how the saying goes. Maybe one of you guys can correct me. But like, if, you, <laughs> if, you have, um, if you have two of something, like if, you're, if two of something, you have none of something. Like, I don't know what it is, but you know I, where I'm going with that. Yeah, I don't think that quite fits the wide receiver position. I get where you're going, though. Uh, what I think is interesting is... I'm just complete speculation here. I, I think they might be going a little bit based off trends of what players do. So mm -hmm. you have two 
major junior college recruits that stepped in and had a lot of hype last year, a, a lot of hype that was put on them through spring ball and through this coaching staff. Uh, Jerron Woodyard obviously didn't make it until fall ball, but it was Jerron Woodyard and Mike Williams that really were non-factors last year right. and probably should have been factors and would have been in a season that Stanley didn't have a thousand-yard receiving season, the first thousand-yard receiving mm-hmm. season in Husker history. Yeah. So I'm thinking he is expecting those two to take a step up with their second year in the playbook. Mike Williams and Jerron Woodyard know the playbook well now and so they can be good options and you're not relying on them to be starters they're not slated to be starters by any projections i've seen you added an important piece a crucial piece that you didn't have anyone like and kind of i know from cal he is your true third down slant over the middle threat he's a big body but plays it a different way than your tight ends would on third down Mm -hmm. he is a true truly different threat you have jd spielman who has proven to be a reliable number one receiver and then your ducks you are deep at the duck position. You have Wandale Robinson, Miles Jones, uh, some of those freshman running backs that could come in and make an impact at the duck, including Ramir Johnson. I think you really have to like where you are at the duck position. And then J.D. Spielman could possibly yeah. slide to the X and be that guy this year. They can move around a lot of those pieces, and I think they're really confident with where they are right now, and I think they should be. Yeah, the way you lay it out there, that, that makes sense to me. But would, um, would a guy like Jamie Nance feature at all heavily this year, either you think? I know there's the redshirt rule, so he can play at least four games. He was, um, he was my pick to break out uh, a few weeks yeah, back when we were Wyatt talking Lever about that. Whatever. No, Wyatt Lever was just a spring guy. <laughs> don't, get, don't, get, don't get out in front of yourself. Um, no, I, I, Jamie Nance can definitely uh, be a guy to make an impact. Uh, Wandale Robinson, we've talked about a lot this offseason. He's a freshman. Uh, Demarion Houston, yeah, Peanut. I've heard good things about Demarion Houston. He's got a really nickname already. Things. You can't go wrong with that. Um, he he may be a guy to make an impact too. And 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 Andre Hunt is is the guy that's gotten maybe the most run out of all these guys yeah. that are that are potentially able to jump up and and grab one of those starting spots. He's a redshirt freshman, got a very tiny little bit of experience last year, but got that four game redshirt rule, uh, so his his year was intact. Yeah, there's there's a bunch of guys who can impact that position, and I, I guess you're probably right on that, Matt, where you don't have to have you know clear cut guys at receiver. I just think that it would be better um, at this point in the fall. It would I as a coach, I would feel more confident about the position if I knew. Okay, at least I know that guy is going to be able to pr- produce on the field. I know that this guy is going to be able to to make a third down catch. I don't know that they know that. I know that they got a few guys who do a few things, oh, yeah, and they're going to still have to work that out. <laughs> sure. Um, is, is I think, where I, and I found the quote. You guys will be happy to know. It's the quarterback deal. It's if you have two quarterbacks, you yeah. have none. Yeah. And so, I, I think what they're confident with yeah. is that they have J.D. J.D. is yes. the known commodity yes. in right. this room, and I think if you didn't have that, it would be – uh, kind of false conjecture on our on our part to be saying that oh Nebraska's wide receiver room is going to be fine without guys like Stanley and JD but they do have JD he is your number one receiver he is I, I would be shocked if he doesn't haul in the most catches receiving yards this year because he is the known commodity he has a connection with quarterback Adrian Martinez he is what you want and need at that position and he can move around to X and Duck we've seen it so far in his career, and I feel really good about what he's able to do as far as versatility within this offense. Yeah. But again, like the outside linebacker discussion, he's got to stay healthy. Yes, uh, just played in ten of the twelve games last season. If if he's if he's able to play in ten, I guess you take that over less. But um, it'd be really really big if you could get him for every game this season. Well, we pretty much ran the game in all the positions except for the one that we're missing, which was the DBs, which is an interesting group I think because Travis Fisher is he's he's kind of the most low pro- profile maybe assistant coach. 
Maybe Sean Becton. Sean Becton, for that. Yeah. yeah. But um, we've only really talked tight ends in terms of Jack Stoll's mullet, too. We haven't really dug into that position <laughs> group. You call me out yet again. Um, well, I, well, speaking of calling out, Markelda Smoot, your boy, got in some trouble in the offseason, sir. How do you feel about that? <sighs> Who didn't get in trouble this offseason? No, I, that's fair. <laughs> Markel, Markelda Smoot is going to be fine. You just you just worry about I'll your, save my shots. your missed picks. Well, at least at the very least, um, to me, DiCaprio Boodle, I think, is poised to be yes. uh, have a great season. Because I, I, I remember Pro Football Focus uh, released some stats. Um, amongst the Big Ten, I think he actually led the Big Ten in uh, pass breakups by percentage, yeah. at least, by number of targets. So him, at least, at the very least, is going to be a stud at the position. I'm interested in, and maybe you guys are too, in how much production we see at DB from some of the freshmen. Yeah. Uh, you've yeah. heard a lot about Noah Pola Gates. Uh, you've heard a lot about Miles um, uh, Farmer. You, th- those guys might get on the field a little bit. They might get on the field a lot. Um, I don't know that they're going to need to because I feel like they they like their guys that are at the top right now. Um, but you've also got guys from last year's class who are going to be able to make more of an impact again, like Braxton Clark and Cam Taylor. Um, they, they have a lot of pieces... Uh, kind of like with wide receiver, um, except I think they feel better about who they have penciled in at starter. Uh, but yeah, DB is is another position to where I think they could see it as a really really big strength uh, as soon as next season. They don't really, they, Lamar Jackson uh, is obviously right. a senior and he'd be outgoing, but um, Deontay Williams too I think is a senior. Maybe I'm wrong on that. I'm looking right now. He's a junior. No, so they they really only would only lose like Eric Lee and Avery Anderson who have only contributed sparingly and Lamar Jackson from this team. So that's going to be a position of strength going forward. I tell you what, I absolutely love this defensive backroom. Talking to Travis Fisher, he loves it too. I've done a lot of digging into this defensive backroom because I think it's so intriguing and in how they're going to mix bodies. You don't need to mix bodies as much as you do on say the defensive line because there's not quite that fatigue, position fatigue. There's not quite that physical fatigue that you're going to get in the Big Ten because not a lot of teams are going to pass as much as some of the other conferences. But I think you've got two island-type starting corners in Lamar Jackson and DiCaprio Boodle. I think Jackson turned a corner last year. He could be a draft pick this year, uh, especially with what he's able to do physically. And then Deontay Williams, Markel Dismuke on the back end. And like you said, some of these freshmen are really intriguing as well. Noah Pola Gates, I've heard great things about Quentin Newsom. Mm. Uh, so he's a very intriguing prospect out of uh, Georgia, I believe. And he is, uh, I've heard he's just a rangy type of player that knows the defense already very well and just a physical guy on that back end. Eric Lee told me he moved to safety this year for the first time since high school and he said it's a lot more comfortable. He said since he knows the corner position that transition to safety is a lot easier so he should provide a lot of depth at safety. I love Cam Taylor's role roving around. Uh, I think he's slated to be maybe the starting nickel but you could see Noah Paula Gates in that nickel position so I think they're so deep on the back end and I think Travis Fisher loves where this group is. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, We're going to step aside here for a quick break. Uh, When we come back though it may only be August, but we got to get some Nebraska ball talk in. They're heading off to Little Italy, Italia, to play, take on some European teams. Going to smash some teams. Well, I don't know about that, but <laughs> I guess we shall see here. This is the KLN Husker Hour. 
Join Greg Gutfeld at the Orpheum Theater October 12th for an unforgettable evening with hilarious, insightful, and engaging conversation on topics from today's headlines and his New York Times bestseller, The Gutfeld Monologues. It's October 12th at the Orpheum Theater with special guest Tom Shalhoub. Reserve seating tickets and VIP tickets, which include a meet and greet, are on sale at the Ticket Omaha box office, 402-345-0606 or online at TicketOmaha.com. Don't miss Greg Gutfeld live. Hi, everybody. This is Brian Kilmeade, and I'm coming to Lincoln on November 15th for a combination book signing and tailgate party on the eve of the Husker-Wisconsin game. Everyone who attends will receive a signed copy of my upcoming book, Sam Houston and the Alamo Avengers. Plus, you'll be in the studio audience for my special broadcast on KLIN, live from the Jasmine Room in downtown Lincoln. Advanced tickets are on sale now on KLIN.com. Presented by Christensen Hearing Analytics and 1400 KLIN. Hard to qualify. Husker for Football, basketball, baseball, and beyond. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1400 KLIN. Welcome back to it, folks. KLIN Husker Hour. The three Musketeers in studio Tim Curran, Cole Sugenholtz, Matt Reynoldson, or the three Stooges, or the three Migos. He's a, one. I was about to say, Matt's a Musketeer already. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> the, two, the, the two Musketeers plus, plus one. Yep. Um, well, so as we were talking during the break, uh, Nebraska ball, they're hopping aboard the the plane to Italy. They're going to mm-hmm. take on some European teams uh, during their, what, nine-day, ten-day trip there. Um, so that's – Matt, you were actually at the practice. I, I came in a little late, so I didn't get to see it. But you actually got to see this this new-look Nebraska ball team actually scrimmage. Just your initial impression for however long that you get, you got to watch them for. What was just your impression of that? Well, my impression was that I, I I'm glad people might not be able to or won't be able to stream the games in Italy, oh, especially. Uh, and that that, that's, hey. that sounds worse than it is. Uh, I I think missing your s- presumed starting point guard and your presumed starting five is really is really going to be tough because you only have three of your five presumed starters there, and that makes it tough to get good combinations there. Hold on, uh, I forgot this, Matt. <laughs> Carry yes, on. my my hot takes. I'm dropping my <laughs> hot takes all around. Uh, I I think uh, I think a lot of people, especially people that are very connected within the college basketball scene, are very bullish on what Ivan Wedrago can do, uh, and that's the only guy we haven't seen within this roster. But I Unless think unless you or me in streaming his uh, U18 European Championship games, which were <laughs> a blast. As you were. <laughs> uh, I think Fred Hoiberg right now is a little bit frustrated, perhaps, on the lack of communication and some of the tough yeah. days uh, this team has had. But I think already you're starting to see take shape more player leadership, which could be important and could mm-hmm. really take shape within this Italy trip. I'm excited to see how they mesh as a group, how they become a true team, because you got to get to know guys you've never met, never played before in your life very quickly. Uh, they didn't look great in the practice, but I don't want to judge a whole team based off 30 minutes of what I've seen in their third practice ever playing together. Uh, I think they're going to have some shooters. Right. I think they're going to have some pieces and some guys that can really do things. Uh, I think they are really hoping that waiver for Shamil Stevenson goes through because he provides um, real shooting ability. Uh, he's only 6'6", but he also provides a ton of physicality and could be a big piece in this lineup. Um, I really like what Hanif Cheatham and Deshaun Burke bring. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there will be a little bit of a learning curve, perhaps, out of Juco for Gervais Green. But 
again, a lot of unknown pieces, uh, a lot of pieces that might fit very well together. Uh, one piece coming off the bench, perhaps, or even starting Matej Kavas, a uh, grad transfer from Seattle, will be a sharpshooter. Yep. So a lot of pieces that need to work together in a certain way. And with how involved Fred Hoiberg and especially Doc Sadler are in coaching these guys up, I, I really have a lot of confidence that they'll make them be able to work together. Look, I I think the main thing to look at it this te- this season, there's only like two coaches in the country that have this much turnover, and it's Kentucky and Duke because they have all one year NBA guys come in and then they just revamp the roster the entire way the next se- yeah. the next season. Like it's <laughs> people need to remember when they look at this year's team, there's only two people who were in that locker room last year who and are still going to play. be on this year, and one didn't even play, and the other barely played. Yeah, like there's. I don't. I don't remember how many minutes Thor played, but he played like a hundred minutes all year. Yeah, maybe. You know, he got all, right. almost all of that was like the last three weeks of the season. So, yeah, it, to your point about you know communicating on the floor and uh, needing that player leadership to emerge, like that is that's paramount because if you don't have uh, if you don't have the the team come together and like gel really quickly, they're gonna they're gonna go like you know. 12 and 4 in the in the non-con and then 4 and 12 or what how, 4 and 16 I guess yeah. he played 20,000 uh, conference games in the Big 10. <laughs> um it's going to be just like Iowa State's first year under Hoiberg where they went 16 and 16. Yeah. You know they had a, they had a great non-con and then they they you know sucked in Big 12 play. So yeah. There's yeah the fact that everybody is is playing with each other for the first time I think is uh the number one reason why uh it's going to be a little bit of a rough season. Uh, talent is there, I think. I think the, a lot of people were overjoyed at all the guys that they were able to bring in. You got the top top JUCO guys in Mac and Green. Uh, you got a bunch of other guys Samari who are Curtis you're really exciting. excited about Samari Curtis. Got him really late in the process, thanks to Mick Cronin going to UCLA and um, and Chris Mack going to Louisville before that, actually. And, and so, yeah, there's there's a lot to like about the talent they have on the team. But, yeah, this year might be rough. Yeah, and I think they really need Hanif Cheatham to be that floor general, that floor leader. He is one of the only guys in the roster with Power 5 experience, um, mm-hmm. Power 6 experience, excuse me, uh, played at uh, Marquette before transferring to Florida mm-hmm. Gulf Coast, was a leader on both of those teams. It didn't work out for him on the floor at Marquette, but he understood. He, he really get, he really came into his role there, uh, was a highly touted recruit out of high school. It's just tough not to look at that roster and wonder yeah. what could be because maybe two of the best players on the roster, maybe the two best players on the roster, period, have to sit out this year due to NCAA yeah. transfer rules. Delano Banton was extremely impressive to me. Derek Walker could be an about absolute Walker. beast. Oh, yeah. man. He is built. He is built for the Big Ten. He is a five-type player in the Big Ten. He looks like some of the guys Michigan State has brought to Lincoln in previous years, and he can shoot. He is. He's going to be a really good player here. Yeah, this, that's the one thing, um, kind of piggybacking off that. There's a lot of raw talent, uh, specifically when it comes to uh, Yvonne Weidraogo, I believe is how yep. you pronounce that. Don't <laughs> don't fact check that. But uh, I, I managed to stream some of his, his games, which uh, was a fun experience for all, watching a bunch of European teenagers like play <laughs> selfish basketball for two hours. But anyway, uh, <laughs> I think Yvonne, to me, I mean, you just look at him physically. I mean, you saw the social media posts. Um Holy cow! I mean, he <laughs> he's Every such a bit raw of six, nine. Yeah. specimen. Six nine two sixty, I believe yeah. it is. Big man from Bordeaux. That's his uh or Bordeaux. Sorry, I didn't get my French pronunciation right. Um, took it for three years, didn't learn a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> um, but to me, 
I think he could stand to be a lot more aggressive, especially when it comes to the box. I mean, he's a guy who could easily average getting 10 boards a game, but you didn't really see that a lot watching those games, which granted, that's a small sample size, only a handful of games um, against random European teams that I know <laughs> literally nothing about. But to me, he seems like a guy who could just be a bully um, down low. And he also doesn't, you know, he's not, he's not what you would call a... a a pure shooter <laughs> by any means. In fact, some games he went without a, even a single attempt, maybe only had one attempt, um, which is, is fine when you have other plays to score, especially in Fred Hoiberg's offense, especially you're going to spread it out with you know four guards or whatever it is. Um, that That's fine. Um, but to me, I, that, that's not the fan the flames or anything like that because, as, as Matt mentioned, I mean, he, he just, in terms of the intrigue, he just kind of jumps off the screen at you. Like He just looks like a guy who could be so amazing, but he's only 17 years old. And he, he, who knows, maybe he'll be 6'11 by the time his college career is finished. He's probably still a grown boy. And um, once Fred Hoiberg, once he's actually on campus, I know he'll be with them during Italy, which will be interesting. But uh, anyway, to, to kind of transition out of that, uh, what do we expect Nebraska to do during this Italy trip? I mean, I don't know much about these teams that are playing, but do we expect success? Do I, we expect I, failure? <laughs> run the table. I think they're playing, so I've looked into it a little bit. The Italian teams they're playing are, are pretty much select teams. Yeah. Uh, I, I believe that uh, they're sort of, uh, they're, they're college-age kids, I believe. Uh, they're playing in Italy, and then they're playing a Lithuanian pro team. And so that, the Lithuanian pro team is where they can really cut their teeth, get that competition, uh, but I think it, the Italian select teams are, are part of the tour, and so I don't think they should have much trouble with them. I don't think those are Big Ten caliber teams that they're playing um, a, against in Italy. Uh, but the, Lithu- the, the Lithuanian pro team that they will be playing twice, I believe, uh, multiple times, I know, um, is really going to be quite a test for them because you, you know all the guys that uh, go overseas and they end up in places like Lithuania if they're just short of the NBA. These are pro players and guys mm-hmm. that flourished in college and got the opportunity to play professional basketball. So that'll really be an opportunity for Nebraska to um, really have to fight and claw for every point. And, and that leads to teams growth especially in the offseason like this yeah and uh ben mclaughlin of the husky sports center will be there so tune in to sports nightly uh throughout the week hopefully he does more than just uh what eating grapes and <laughs> drinking wine doing whatever else you do in italy um so anyway uh keep it tuned for some updates from italia from Euroland. anyway guys step aside for our final break of the kline husker hour don't go anywhere we will be back What if I told step into another gear for your brain and be much sharper, more focused, and improve your memory to a level that you could only dream about and notice these results in 30 minutes? Hard to believe? Neuroscientists are calling this new brain discovery the biggest advancement in brain science to date. It's called Limitless, the brain pill of the future. Take it, and within 30 minutes, you'll transport your mind to a new level of focus and clarity you would have never thought possible. I took Limitless, and it started working in minutes. All of a sudden, it felt like a dark cloud had been lifted up right before my eyes. I have a mental clarity I've never felt before. Biz execs, athletes, teachers, and students are calling Limitless a secret weapon for the brain. You have nothing to lose, so call now and find out how to get a free bottle today. Find out how to get a free bottle of Limitless. Call 1-800-617-1604. 800-617-1604. Free bottles for a limited time. Call now. 800-617-1604. 800-617-16. See you soon. Talking with current and former Huskers and those who cover the Big Red. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1400 KLIN. 
Welcome back to it, folks. KLI and Husker Hour here for you on a Saturday. Just a couple minutes left here. Well, gentlemen, it's been a full hour of all-out Husker talk, but we have to cap it off. We're putting your money where your mouth is. Cole, what? how many games oh. will Nebraska lose in 2K19? Never been asked it that way. It's usually what's <laughs> how many are they going to win? I'm just throwing you a curveball, keeping you on your feet. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, I'm going to go eight and four. I think uh, I think the regular season they go eight and four, hey, hey. Uh, flip it from four and eight. They could certainly do more than that, but I think you know as much as Scott Frost and Adrian Martinez jump off the page to you, there are still a lot of question marks, a lot of unproven players, a lot of unproven positions, uh, and I just think that. Having gone four and eight a couple of seasons in a row, they're going to need to learn how to win, and I don't think it's all going to happen at once. I think eight and four is where they end up. I'm stick in the four loss train, but I will. Uh, I'll raise you to a different level. Uh-huh. I'll, I'll say four losses total for regular season and postseason. Whether they make the Big Ten championship, whether they make a bowl game, one of those could be losses. They could go eight and four in the regular season. Something in four, so it could be eight, <laughs> nine, or ten and four. Look at that! You never know where Matt Reynolds is going to go, or another canceled game. Who knows? <laughs> the one thing we always know: Matt Reynoldson and Channel A coming out on top. That's that's the one thing we do know. Uh, thanks so much, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us this week. It's been a real blast. We'll have to drag Matt in, kicking or screaming, uh, in the studio again, <laughs> whether he likes it or not. Uh, he will be back. Full signals. Any parting comments? I'm just waiting for your hipster picks coming in uh, next week. (laughs) Oh, they'll be there. Oh, they'll be there. Can't wait. Uh, We're going to see you again next week. We'll have some fall camp to talk about. It's going to be a blast. Ladies and gentlemen, have a good one. Fox in the fast lane. Hamlin makes it a hat trick with a win at the Tricky Triangle. Merrick Jones looking for his first ever win in the Cup Series, but Denny Hamlin is going to be the spoiler today, his 34th career win. Audio courtesy of NBC Sports, Denny Hamlin holds off his Joe Gibbs racing teammate Eric Jones for the checkered flag in the Gander RV 400 at Pocono Raceway for his third win of the Monster Energy Cup season. Now NASCAR's Premier Series gets ready to go right as well as left on Sunday with road course racing at Watkins Glen International in the Go Bowling at the Glen. A major shakeup for Hendrick Motorsports this week as seven-time Cup Series champ Jimmy Johnson makes a change atop his pit box this weekend, welcoming Cliff Daniels as his new crew chief. Daniels served as Johnson's chief engineer for his 2016 Cup-winning car. He takes over for Kevin Mendering, who took over as crew chief for the number 48 team this season after Chad Canals took over as crew chief for Johnson's Hendrick teammate, William Byron. Fox in the Fast Lane, I'm Matt Napolitano, Fox News.